Welcome back to Why Don't We Know. I'm Sarah Gannam. So today, I'm proposing a plan for the nation that rewards work, not just rewards wealth. In April, President Joe Biden announced a really ambitious and far-reaching infrastructure plan for America. The jobs plan will put plumbers and pipe fitters to work, replacing 100 percent. And part of that the nation's lead pipes is replacing every lead pipe in America, a badly needed upgrade that affects millions of American children every year. We stay in New Jersey. Work will begin today on the next phase of the sewer line replacement project in Newark. The cause of the dark water in St. Joseph seems to be a broken pipe in the aging system. People don't realize this. The extent of the problem in D.C. was about 20 to 30 times worse than Flint. More lead poisoning more exposure of people. A class action lawsuit filed against the city of Chicago today over possible lead contamination in the water. This week, the state of Michigan announced a $600 million settlement for the victims of the Flint water crisis. Let me give you a little bit of background on why this is so important. Lead drinking water pipes go all the way back to the Roman times. And even though we've known that lead is harmful for the better part of the century, powerful lobbying in the U.S. kept them around and in some places mandated that they be installed until the 1980s. So millions of Americans in thousands of American towns have them. To mitigate the poison, we rely on a calcium called orthophosphate that coats the pipes and protects the water from being contaminated by the lead. Well, in theory, that's how it's supposed to work, right? Because we've seen that that can fail. There are the worst-case scenarios like Flint and Newark and Chicago and Washington, D.C., where kids are poisoned and communities are financially ruined. And then there are smaller cases that we never hear about, but still pose a health risk. But despite these failures, despite the headlines, despite the fact that millions of people remain at risk, the U.S. government has been incredibly slow in dealing with this issue. So, yeah, a plan to take out all of the lead pipes in America is a really big deal. But immediately, when I heard about this plan, I thought... Man, they're just making it sound a little too easy. What made me hesitate is not just the cost. In fact, it's not really the cost at all. Towns that have removed their lead pipes have found the price tag to be about $5,000 per house, which really isn't bad. The problem is this. We don't know where all the lead pipes are. Seven years ago, I was a reporter for CNN when I was sent to Flint, Michigan to cover the water crisis there. I actually knew nothing about water contamination before that story. But when I hit the ground, I was brought up to speed pretty quickly by experts who have been working on this for decades. And one of them was Eric Olson. I'm Eric Olson. I'm with Natural Resources Defense Council. I've been working on lead and drinking water for many years. And... Um, on toxic chemicals. And when you say many years, you're being modest because it's like many decades. Yeah, it is. (laughs) So I was engaged in the original lead and copper rule that was issued during the George H.W. Bush administration in 1991, which we challenged in court 
saying it was not protective of public health. So I called Eric about this. That was 30 years ago. It was 30 years ago. And 30, yes. 30 years later, are you feeling like you're finally on the cusp of making progress? And I want to sort of like caveat that with you and I have been talking about lead service lines and lead in water since Flint, which was 2014, when you thought you were on the cusp then of some real change. Um, but that really didn't happen. And so now seven years later, do you feel like this is the moment? I do feel like this is unique. I mean, I think for the first time, there's serious discussion about investing real money, as in tens of billions of dollars, to actually pull out all the lead service lines across the country. And there hasn't been a serious discussion of that before. So having the president of the United States repeatedly say, we need to address this problem, we need to really put money into it, that's unprecedented in my career. And I think should make a big difference. Take us back in time to the history of lead pipes in this country and why they're dangerous. Well, we've used lead pipes in this country for over 100 years. So lead was, in fact, the word plumbing comes from the Latin word for, for lead. We've known really since at least the 1800s and probably before then that it wasn't a great idea to be using lead in many cases for drinking water. And now, um, because they are so widespread, we've got six to 10 million of these lead service lines, potentially even more across the United States. Six to 10 million lead service lines. Two things I want to point out about what he just said. One is this. If you thought that this was just a Flint problem, well, that number should change your mind. In fact, an NRDC study found that 60 million Americans have elevated levels of lead in their water. And the second thing is even more important. There's a huge difference between 6 and 10 million. 4 million, to be exact. Well, in so many cases, we don't know exactly where the lead service lines are. So, yes, we do know that there are millions of them. But And we know that generally that some water systems used a lot of them during certain periods of time. But a lot of people have no idea whether they have a lead service line that's serving their house. Here's why. Talk to water systems that have um, installed lead service lines over more than a 100-year period. And some of their records go back to the late 1800s. They have basically shoe boxes or old boxes full of little cards that plumbers and some of their staff would have filed back in the 1800s or early 1900s that may or may not be really accurate. And that's what happened in Flint, when the state and the federal government gave them the money to rip out and replace all of its lead service lines, city officials went to their records. They pulled out these three by five note cards that were supposed to tell them where all the lead pipes were. But sometimes they'd go to an address and there actually weren't lead pipes. And then worse, many homes had them, but there was no record of it. Well, I mean, the thing about Flint was we did learn a lot. There's was an artificial intelligence-based model that they ended up using in Flint that ended up being more than 90% accurate in identifying where the lead service lines were. So I think that's going to have to happen across the country where... We're going to have to use sophisticated systems to use whatever data we have, like the age of the house, when the utility 
thinks they put in lead service lines, what the historical records say, and you throw that all into a box, basically, and out comes a, an estimate of how likely it is that a specific line is lead. But sophisticated technology costs money. It does, although I will say that there's some of these systems they're talking about just making public access. Um, so, you know, I think that especially with the amount of money that we're talking about, if there truly is going to be $45 billion invested in this, some of that money needs to be put up front to make sure we're identifying where the digging has to happen and um, to really identify where the lead service lines are. It's unacceptable to have literally tens of millions of people having no idea that they have lead contaminated drinking water, which is where we are now and where we've been for decades. I saw I saw one um, government website in uh, in the Northeast where it was suggested that if you're curious about your service line, you should take a piece of metal and scrape a pipe in your yard and see if it turns silver. And if it turns silver, you have lead. And I really just, when I read that, I thought, man, like people are going to fall through the cracks. (laughs) I mean, are you worried about that? Well, I mean, there are ways you can tell whether it's likely you have a lead service line. So Um, For example, if you go down into your basement where the pipe comes in from outside, um, that's where you can actually scratch that pipe with a coin. Um, If a magnet doesn't stick to it, that means it's not steel, right? And if you scratch it and you get a shiny um, color, uh, shiny metal color, it very well could be lead. It's likely lead at that point. So that'll tell you if the pipe coming into your house is lead. Obviously, there is some chance that part of that pipe might have been replaced. Um, So you you really need to do this whole combination of of evaluation of what the historic records say. You know, sometimes you have to do what's called hydrovacking, which is basically shooting high pressure water um, in a small square in the ground and sucking up that water and then looking at the pipe down there. It costs a couple hundred bucks to do that. And you can figure out pretty quickly whether there's lead pipe where you've done that hydrovacking. So there are a variety of more sophisticated techniques we can use to try to figure out whether there's a lead pipe in front of your house or not. If it seems like a lot of this is being put on the homeowner, it's because it is. Government attitude about this issue has historically been lax. And that's being generous. I'm talking bury your head in the sand kind of thing. Alex Stubblefield, a research assistant at NRDC, surveyed all 50 states and the District of Columbia to see if she could come up with a better number. And the majority of states came back saying they weren't even tracking how many lead service lines are in the state. We only got about 10 responses back, and one of those was the District of Columbia. So, and that's with following up, you know, four or five times. Um, And so that was disappointing. Yeah, I'll say a few of those water systems have actually gone out and started to try to identify their lead service lines. So some of the water utilities themselves may have some of this data. They're going to have a mix of ancient records and other information from when their crews went out and replaced water mains or whatever. So there's some of that data that the utilities have, but it's really hit or miss. And until we actually have a requirement to go out and do this, I'm concerned that a lot of people are not going to know that they have these lead lines and we're just going to really have to invest in identifying them and pulling them out. This may be like a super obvious question, but if we've known that lead 
is dangerous in our drinking water for decades and decades. Why don't we know where the lead service lines are? Well, so the 1991 rule that EPA adopted did require water systems to do a materials inventory, um, but a lot of the utilities and frankly, I think EPA um, interpreted that to not require a full inventory of all their lead service lines. So basically, it's never been clearly required before. And because of that, most water systems have just done other things and just have not bothered to identify all their lead service lines, which is a real problem when we know that lead is so widespread. Basically, the fact that we don't know where the lead pipes are, that is emblematic of the entire problem. There's been no political willpower to remove lead pipes and therefore remove lead from water. There's so little motivation that the government doesn't even know where they are, which to me seems like a really big hurdle moving forward. Absolutely. Lack of political will has long been the biggest enemy here. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems to me like a government entity that's not willing to document, not willing to um, to know, like they don't want to know where they are, right? Kind of shows why we're here in 2021 talking about this. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some truth to that, that if you want to bury your head in the sand and not see the lead pipe next to your head, uh, you can do that, right? The fact that people don't know that they're basically being poisoned by their water um, contributes to the fact that they're not rising up and saying, I've had it, I really want to fix this problem. This is Why Don't We Know. This Why Don't We Know Extra was written and produced by me, Sarah Canham, with audio editing by Amy Fu. The music was written by Volodymyr Pedubink, Michael Vignola, and Marshall Usinger. Additional reporting was done by Thomas Holton. Frank Lamonti is the executive editor. Why Don't We Know is a production of the Breckner Center for Freedom of Information at the University of Florida. A special thanks to the Hearst Family Foundation for providing the grant money that supported this reporting. For more information about this episode, visit www.whydontweknow.org.